Hey, happy Tuesday, and welcome to the Coaching Minds podcast brought to you by the Mental Training Plan, where we help athletes perform at their best. Here in the last episode, we talked about doing hard things, and that's what we're covering today and a few episodes coming up, and just accomplishing hard things. We heard last week as I spoke on running a marathon, today we're just going to be talking about uh, some of you have heard of the guy David Goggins and what he's done, we're going to talk about why he does those things, the things he's accomplished, and then get into what you can do to do hard things. we got some great stuff, Benny. Welcome to the Coaching Minds Podcast, helping you overcome obstacles so you can reach and achieve more. Here are your hosts, Ben and C. All right, Ben, so as we get into talking about hard things and doing hard things, there's one guy that... You know, maybe it's through social media or through books uh, in the last handful of years that comes to mind, especially for you. Um, who is that, and uh, why? Why does he come to your mind? Yeah, David Goggins, in in my mind, has done more hard things than anybody that I've ever known, and he's he's somebody that you know every year when it when it comes time to talk to our football team about special teams in particular because. Special teams is is hard sometimes. You've got, you know, you're asking guys that are starting on the offensive side of the ball or or the defensive side of the ball or, you know, in some cases both. Hey, we need you also to run down full speed as fast as you can, 100 miles an hour, and, you know, be willing to go launch your body into these people and make this tackle. And that's and that's, it never gets much uh, glory either, right? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, one of the one of the things, though, that we talk about is when you decide, hey, I'm going to do these things, even though they're difficult, kind of the the impact that that has on not only your mindset, but then the mindset of people around you. And David Goggins has done all kinds of things. Um, he lost, he was like 300 pounds or something like that and got down to 191 to be able to be a seal. And he ended up, he ended up making it to Navy SEAL Hell Week, but then had a stress fracture and contracted pneumonia and didn't want to give up, but they basically said, sorry, you guys sit this one out. And then they made him start completely over and go through with a new group. And he went through with a second group and fractured his kneecap right before hell week. And they made him start over again because I mean, if you want to be a Navy seal, you got to go through the whole thing just like everybody else. And so for a third time he went and did it. And, you know, in his book that my wife just recently finished, can't hurt me. It's phenomenal read. Um, it talks about how the drill instructors, by this third time, they actually made him sit out some of the, you know, painful, physically demanding exercise type situations because they said, you just enjoy this too much. You know, something that that stands out to me just as you're reading that, and, and we all probably have done it before where you have this plan, you have this goal, and something goes wrong. How easy would it have been for him to just, you know, it goes back to his family. He st- he goes back and says, hey, I tried after two times, though. It's just not for me. But he kept pushing, right? He, he had this goal. He had this thing he wanted to do, and he kept going after it. It didn't matter what 
obstacle got in the way, whether it was a sickness in his body, a broken bone, going through uh, the Navy SEALs Hell Week multiple times. People can't even do one day of it, and he's doing a third time. And like you said, his his officers are like, we, we need to stop you from doing this because you're having fun. Yeah, they had to almost like hold him back. And so there were, uh, you know, right after right after 9-11, he deployed to Iraq and he was the only SEAL in his class to also graduate from Army Ranger School. And he talked about how when when guys made it through and made it onto the SEAL team, it was kind of like, okay, we've arrived. And he was like, no, I, I got to keep pushing myself more. And I mean, literally during his downtime, went to Army Ranger School and just to, sh- to show himself that he could, that he was capable of it. In 2005, there were 12 Navy SEALs killed in Afghanistan. Goggins was just devastated by this news, and he, he wanted to help out their families and decided that there was a foundation that paid for the college tuition of children whose parents were killed in combat. And so Goggins decides he's going to start running some races to raise some money for these families. And this was where I kind of started I kind of started hearing about him. There's a there's another book called Living with a Seal where this gentleman named Jesse Itzler describes being in this race where they were running it as a team and they brought all this food and this water and a professional masseuse and you know they were they were just trying to survive this race and he describes seeing this man running by himself who had like a bottle of water and a lawn chair and that that was it and you know in this book he talks about inviting this guy in and you know the guy happens to be David Goggins but you know just in in his running and racing career he ran in the Badwater 135 which is a 135 mile continuous run across three mountain ranges in Death Valley in the middle of summer i would chalk that up as doing hard things right and competitors you can, they, you can't just sign up for this race you have to be invited so there's a there's a 100 mile race that you have to complete in 24 hours or less goggins decides yeah i'm i'm just going to go do that he had 3 days to prepare finished it in 19 hours and 6 seconds basically just because of the training that he had already been doing in the military. So it ends up in 2006 being able to complete the Badwater 135 in 30 hours and 18 minutes, placing fifth overall. And so, you know, he, he then after that completes marathons and ultra marathons and triathlons and ultra triathlons. And it's like any time there was a perceived limit of human capability, he wanted to push past that. And he's also the the Guinness World Record holder for pull-ups. He did like 4,030 in 17 hours. A lot of people think, well, you know, he's probably done this his whole life, right? He probably was a cross-country runner in high school, or he he's always just been like this. But like you said, 
at one point in time, he was a 300-pound human being. Right. He he probably hadn't run a mile in years and and hadn't gotten his heart rate up or any of those things. But he finally just said, you know what? Here's what I want to do. I think it's interesting you make that heart rate comment because after all this, he found out he had a hole in his heart. And so he found out that he he had gone through this hell week and he'd run some of these races. So basically he, he was doing all of this with a physical limitation that wasn't allowing him to perform at his best. And, you know, my, my wife, I'll never forget was telling me about all these things that he did. And I was like, wow, that's, that's incredible. And she goes, and then he found out that he was basically doing it with a hole in his heart. And so then they did surgery and he was like, oh, well, shoot, I could do all that stuff. Now, how can I push myself? And, you know, just continued to push and push and push. And what he talks about was getting a calloused mind because, you know, during, during these pull-ups, he got all kinds of calluses on his hands, right? He would do hundreds of them a day, thousands of, thousands of push-ups at a time. But in an attempt to set this world record of 4,000 pull-ups in 17 hours, the skin on his hands just built up and got a little bit thicker. And he said that you have to constantly find ways to make yourself uncomfortable and almost crave discomfort so that you can learn to master that fear that we all have of pain. Because inside your mind, you've got a governor. Yeah, because you, your mind, your body wants to stay at an, equal, at an equilibrium, right? It wants to keep you there. It doesn't want you to get uncomfortable or do something too hard. When it gets too hard, it tells you, hey, slow down a little bit. But it's building that callus over that, right? And the, there's only one way to do that, and it's to continue to push past that and say, yeah. I know this is hard. And I know my body doesn't want to, but it's that self-talk that we come back to all the time from the focus cycle. You have to go a little bit further. And he called it, he called it a governor that, you know, just like in a car, when the car gets up to, I don't know, 91, 100, 110, whatever it's set at miles an hour, then there's that device in the car that says, nope, that's it. And we have that same thing in our brain. And we have that, just like you said, it wants to keep us comfortable. It wants to keep us at rest. It doesn't want us to push or make ourselves uncomfortable. And, you know, which is the reason that Goggins was 300 pounds and eating milkshakes and donuts every day. The more you push and you you get to that limit and then you go just a little bit past that limit, the more the the higher that it raises and the the higher that it's going to be the next time and you start to realize hey i i do have more in the tank and that's one of the things that he talked about was once you once you decide that you're just going to accept the pain and you're going to move towards it that the fear of that pain and the fear of the situation and the discomfort of that situation and even the physical pain shrinks and that you know in those moments where you think i have reached my absolute limit i can't go anymore i am physically exhausted 
I cannot run another step. I cannot do another pull-up. Goggins says you're only at 40%. And that if you just stop listening to the excuses that your brain is coming up with, then you're going to be able to keep going because you haven't even gotten halfway. And there were, I'm glad you brought up self-talk. There was a, a time in the book where he was talking about how, you know, in one of these crazy, I don't remember which one it was exactly, one of these crazy hundred plus mile races through the desert in the middle of summertime, his mind is saying, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You've already proven yourself. This is dumb. You don't need to finish this. And he said that to combat that self, that negative self-talk, he was literally yelling at himself out loud and that other people around other racers were like, what is going on? And, you know, a lot of times we start to, we start to hear that voice and we shut down a little bit or we slow down a little bit or we take just a little bit off the throttle that it's that's actually been proven by science and you know there's a book called that I've been reading recently called how bad do you want it by Matt Fitzgerald and they're looking at what does it take to be an elite distance runner and what mental side comes into the game and how do you control that how do you perform at your best kind of in what we know about how the brain works um, but there was a, in the book, they talk about a 2013 Brazilian exercised physiologist that talked about what they found during their research was that perception of effort is the conscious awareness of the central motor command sent to the active muscles. So in other words, there's a, there's a perception of effort. And there's a, there's a, there's a point where your brain starts to feel like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. And when you get to that point, what they refer to as MRCP or movement related cortical potential, there's actually, when, the, when these people say, I can't go anymore, I am completely exhausted that really they're at mental fatigue. And if you take electrodes and you put them into those muscles and you send basically the equivalent of that electrical brain signal to your muscle that says, yes, keep going, that the muscles will still twitch. The muscles will still contract and work and do their thing. And so none of the athletes that they tested were able to get to a point of physical exhaustion. They could get to a point of mental exhaustion but they couldn't get to the point where their muscles couldn't do it anymore. It was that governor that Goggins talked about that was saying, no, we can't do this. This is too hard. We're in too much pain. We can't go anymore. We've met our threshold. We are physically exhausted. I will say like at some point, you know, the amount of food that you have in your body and blood sugar and hydration and, and all that does come into play. Like there have been people working out who have died because of dehydration or heat stroke or, you know, other conditions that they had. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not telling you to go run 135 miles in the middle of the desert in the, in the searing heat. What I'm saying is when you've taken care of your hydration and nutrition, and then you go and try to physically exhaust yourself, 
you are going to mentally exhaust yourself long before you physically exhaust yourself. And they also talk about how there's a, this, this perceived effort that, that long distance runners know what it should feel like as they go through a race. And if a runner at the four kilometer mark feels like what they think they should feel like at the 10 kilometer mark, that sometimes those racers or those runners will panic and they'll slow down a little bit. Whereas on the other hand, a runner who, you know, is at that, is at that 10 kilometer point, but only feels like they've given seven kilometer points worth of effort that they get a little extra boost of confidence and they start to speed up. And they talked about different studies that they did where they told a runner, all right, I want you to go as hard as you can for 20 miles. And then there was another group that they said, all right, I want you to go as hard as you can for 10 miles. And then at the end of the 10, they said, all right, we want you to go another 10 miles. And you know, the, 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 the mental fatigue played a big role and that these athletes would, you know, kind of, kind of throttle themselves down and they would start to, they would start to kind of get negative maybe, or doubt themselves or be irritated that, you know, they thought they were only going to have to go 10 and now they're going to have to go 20 and the, the mental impact became measurable physically and they didn't perform as well. And some, it's just some, it's, it's a really interesting book that talks about how science can prove exactly what Goggins is talking about, which I mean, who, who would know better than him? Like he's reached that point of quote exhaustion more than anybody I know. Yeah. And he just kept going and going and going and kind of proving that, that it works. So, so Ben, why do we go into this, right? We, we share all this information about how your body can keep going. Basically, all of that summed up is your body can keep going far past what your mind is telling you. Your mind's going to stop you because it wants to keep you at your equilibrium. It wants to keep you safe. You shouldn't do these things because maybe you'll get hurt or whatever. Your mind's kind of like your mom sitting there kind of coddling you and wants to keep you uh, from going and doing that thing that maybe you shouldn't or whatever. It wants to just keep you close to home. But you can push through that and you can go and it'll be way, way more that you can accomplish. So these are some extreme examples. I would say David Goggins is like an extreme example. And I we share all this with you to not just say, hey, go to Death Valley this summer and go run 135 miles. Your hard things might be different than what my hard thing might be. Right? I went and ran a, a marathon. There's some people that probably listen to this and they're like, well, that's not that hard. We, I've ran there was a guy at the Carmel Marathon. He ran his 100th marathon. And so running a marathon maybe was is not hard um, for that guy, but it's all relative to you. And and I think it's important to not get caught up in what is somebody else doing? Well, well I'm going to go run this 10K race, but that doesn't seem that hard because someone else, they're running a marathon. It's all relative to you. What is hard for you? At one point in time, David Goggins could not by any means go run a 135-mile race. But he continued just to grow, right? He continued to push past that mindset that's trying to hold him back, and he continued to do more and more and more. And you've probably had moments like that in your life where there was something that 
you weren't supposed to do. And now you're way past that because you kept pushing and you kept doing whatever it was and whatever area of your life that it might have been. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up, you know, why do we talk about this? The sole purpose is because of that feeling that you're going to get and that sense of accomplishment that you're going to have at the end and that confidence that you're going to build up inside of yourself. And, you know, we're going to here in the, in the not too distant future, I'm going to talk about some of my own, you know, things that I, things that I did, I accomplished, I achieved, I felt great. And then some things that didn't go so well and some things that I wasn't so proud of and some, some things that, you know, were holding me back a little bit. And so, you know, for our listeners, really, we have, we have three groups of people, right? We have people who are listening to this because they're an athlete. So to you, I'm telling you, you can achieve way more than you think. And that point where you get to where you're running sprints or you're lifting weights or you're racing on your bike or you're whatever it is that you're doing, there's going to come a point where you reach that perceived limit and you say, I can't go anymore. And what I'm telling you is if you push past that and you, you go past where that mental governor is telling you, no, whoa, hold on. This is uncomfortable. We don't like this. We can't do this. You're going to start to build a little more confidence. You're going to start to get a little bit more of an edge over your competition and a little bit more of an edge over your opponents. And eventually you're going to start to realize I can do a lot more than what I thought. And if you continually push that ceiling up, you'll be amazed at how high you can go. An another large group of listeners are coaches. And, you know, for the, for the coaches, we've got to figure out a way, how can we get our guys, how can we get our girls to that edge where they start to feel exhausted? And that, that little voice in the back of their mind says, I can't do this. And then push them past that. You know, one of the things from the, from one of the Navy SEAL books that I read, I don't remember which one it was. They were interviewing one of the guys who was a, was an instructor or a drill sergeant at Hell Week. And he was talking about how they would tell the guys, all right, we have this hike up this mountain that's X number of miles long. And when I say hike, that's just a run with a pack on your back. And they would get to the end and then they would say, all right, now we have this much left and they would essentially double it. And so now these seals would have to deal with, well, I was kind of pacing myself to make it 10 miles or 20 or whatever. And now I've reached that point of exhaustion and now I can't go anymore and now we got to turn around and we have to go more. And what, what they start to realize is this is uncomfortable, but I can do it. And so, you know, for the coaches, finding ways to push your athletes past that, but circling back or following up with them and talking about why, because that was one of the things that the drill instructor talked about was if you don't talk about why, then they just write you off as a big jerk. This is something we've done in the, in the years past with football, simply telling the guys, all right, today conditioning, we've got 10 100-yard sprints. And we want you to go all out, build it up. We want you going all out. 
see who's the fastest in each of the position groups or whatever it might be. As soon as we finish those 10, telling them, all right, we've got eight more. And then it's just a chance to see what's the body language of those players. What, what's their mindset? You're going to see some guys that are like, they're checked out. You know, coach, you said we were doing 10 of them, and now we're doing these this more. That's bogus, whatever. And you're going to see some kids that just, you know, they dig their heels in and say, all right, let's go. Let's go get some more. And then afterwards, like you're saying, then come back and circle around to it and say, guys, this is why we did it. This is why, because, you know, when we talk in the realm of sports, you go all out for four quarters and then the game's tied. Well, here you go. You got to go play another. You got to go play overtime. So yeah. are you just going to are you just going to cash out and say, "Well, I've only trained for four quarters of football, so I'm just I'm just going to be done." Or you're going to be the ones that, "Let's go. You know, we've trained for this." So it's important like you're saying to do the the drill uh of, you know, pushing them past it, but then also circle them back and explain to them why you do it. Yeah, and you can we've always been intentional about all right, let's let's have a a real honest conversation. What was your what was your self-talk like? Like what was that voice in the back of your mind saying? And, you know, get those guys to admit like what was going on psychologically because everybody was dealing with it. And if if you were really going as hard as you possibly could, it was not great news when you found out you had more to go, but that's life, you know, in the, in the military, in the realm of the military, listening to, you know, we've had, we've had two guests on here talking about the military. And I, I believe it was, it was Jeremy Finley who, who's, who brought up the point that if we don't ever put our guys in an uncomfortable situation, in a difficult situation, physically and mentally, before they're actually out on the battlefield and their lives are on the line, then we have not done our job preparing them. And the the same is true for all the coaches out there listening. If we don't push our players past that point of this is uncomfortable and this is hard and I don't know if I can do this, then have we really prepared our athletes to be successful come overtime? You know, I, I don't know. I don't think so. And, you know, the other, the third kind of portion of our listeners are listening to this for real life stuff. I mean, whether that's your parenting, whether that's you're in the business world, the reality is life is going to throw way more difficult stuff at you than anything I ever experienced on the football field as a player. There's going to be a lot more pain and heartache and difficult situations in real life. And, you know, sports are just preparing us for that. And so for those of you that are out there listening that are beyond your athletic days, it's still important that you find ways to push yourself. And, you know, that was that was kind of the underlying theme of Zeke's episode last week. It's going to be the underlying theme of, you know, a guest that we have coming up who's no longer playing sports and just why? Well, because of the the inner rewards that you get from doing hard things. So, like I said, I hope just reach out to us. Uh you know we've got we've got a link on uh, the podcast that sends us to the website. Uh, reach out to us on social media at Mental TR Plan. We would love to hear from you. And until next time, make your plan and put it to work.